It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody! Welcome to the uh, the next episode and uh, of the Mentor Coffee Chat. Uh, my name is Jason, and we are excited about today. Hope you guys are excited about today. Um, I uh, today's topic is on shepherding your team, and we're gonna we're gonna talk through that here in just a little bit. Before we do that, I thought it would be good to introduce everybody. Um, Darnisha, why don't you kick us off? Hi, my name is Darnisha Taylor. And I get the privilege of being able to, to be a mentor with this group of folks. And I work currently in Brandon, Florida, and uh, have just a wonderful team of worship leaders, worship uh, interns, just people who just love the Lord. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to get to do this. Hey, go, uh, you're, uh, you're up, Jason. My name is Jason Harris. I am the director of worship and production at Broncroft Community Church in Rochester, New York. I've been here for over a decade and uh, I have an amazing team of staff, volunteers, and interns. We're getting ready to kick off our summer internship cohort in the next couple weeks. So we're excited for that too. Um, Lots of fun things for the summer. So that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. What about you, Joe? Uh, Joe Hornis is my name and spent most of my years at a uh, mega church in Chicago as the worship director there and then um, planted uh, a couple churches and so kind of have some background in leading worship in mega places and when you have nobody and uh, and now these days I oversee uh, the engaging the heart worship collective which is just about coaching and mentoring uh, worship leaders and worship teams around the country that want help so uh, glad to be with you guys love being here love it you're up, Crystal. I'm Crystal Yates. I am in the McKinney, Texas area at a church called Christ Fellowship. Also singer, songwriter, and we also go out and do like, I guess you would say secular music as well. My husband and I do, and we're a team, a leadership team, and I love mentoring young women worship leaders. That's my heart and young songwriters. And so, and also love uh, being with Worship Leader Magazine. And I just met with my girl that I mentor today and it was awesome. Oh, and fantastic. So, yeah, it, we had an awesome time. So love it. Love it. Love it. Go ahead, Grant. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Grant Norsworthy, although certain parts of the world would say Grant Norsworthy. And I don't mind how you say it as long as it's natural for you. Let's go. That's okay uh, with me. I'm originally from Australia. I lived in the US for 17 years, but for the last three or so years, I've been living in New Zealand, which is where I'm speaking to you from now. I lead a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which is providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshiping musicians. Good job, dude. How do you say heart and art of the heart in, in, in the US? How does that go? Heart and art. <laughs> Every time. I don't, it's kind of like uh, California, I think. Heart I don't know what that and is. art. Okay. I, I love that. I, 
Hey. Not, not. All right, yeah. That's good. I love that. I love that you can do that. Uh, go ahead, Michael. My name is Michael Bond. I am located in the northwestern part of the United States in a state called Oregon. If you're not from here, you say Oregon. It's a dead giveaway. Look out for that. Hey, also, I'm loving Darnisha's scarf. If you haven't like taken it in, give yourself a moment and soak it. It's good. And I'm also I'm having this random flashback. I'm thinking. Jason, you're from Rochester. I'm having flashbacks. I think I've been at your church. I'm trying. I'm having yes. for a conference years ago at worship. Like, years ago, probably like eight years ago. Yeah, like, like 2017 or 18. It yeah. was a really cool place and a warm welcome. So, hey, it's good to see you again, man. Yeah, good to see you. I feel like the circle of life is in my head just for now. It I don't know really why that uh, <laughs> song is running around in circles. Uh, hey, so today we're talking about uh, shepherding your team. Um, and what that looks like. And um, a lot of us, have, you know, we're all worship leaders and uh, worship leaders wear lots of different hats. You get me- the musical skill, you got to have the admin skill, and then they also throw in, you got to lead people. It's a very, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a wild mix of things. And so um, I wanted to uh, kick us off today with asking this question. Um, and Jason, I want to start with you. What, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase shepherding people? Like when you hear that phrase, like what's the, like what do you think about? It's interesting because I had to like, what does this mean? Because we don't use the word shepherd very often yep. in our church language. So it might be totally new uh, for some of you listening as well. I think it's What really would you call it? What would you call it? If in, in your um, Just leading and pastoring. Yep. Um, I think would be kind of what in our church culture we would we would use it as and, and how to walk along and walk in front and beside and sometimes behind uh, the people that you lead. Um, and so I think that's what I would kind of think of like how do we walk along with people? How do we lead our teams, our, our congregation, but more so our volunteers um, that we lead um, along the way. And so that's what I would think of as, as shepherding um, is kind of modeling and also leading the way uh, for our volunteer teams and our staff. Love it. What about you, Joe? You know, uh, just off, off of uh, what Jason just said, I, one of my devotion times last week was in Second Corinthians, and Paul had this great phrase, and he says, he said, live out your faith in love. And um, and, you know, and it expressing, putting our faith, our walk, our love for Christ into action, but, but doing it by the way that we love. And, um, and I think ultimately leading team shepherding comes down to going, it's loving your people and making sure that they love each other and creating space for that, time for that, showing up for that, making that a priority. And, um, and and being there for and with with the people that you lead and making you know too too many i have through the decades way too many stories of talking to artists who have left the church because they were burned out used up um felt emotionally abused or or schedule abused one way or another and and you go man it should never be um 
you know, we are we are called to, uh, as Jason said, to pastor and to care for our flock and, and our people. But uh, they will bring their best when we walk with Jesus and we express that love and put our faith into action with them um, in community together. I love it. Now, Grant, Grant, you um, show up on Sundays and jump into a random group of people. And I've done this many times just alongside like you do. Like, what, what do you think of when you think, I mean, you're not around people all the time. How do you, like, jump in and get to the, like, pastoral side? Or do you see that in your, in your world? Yeah, well, be- before I make any comment about that, I just want to thank Joe for what you said there, mate. That's, that's really great. Like, this, this idea of uh, being loving people uh, is, is key to all that we're going to be saying here. But you're right. It's different for me. I'm not on staff for a church. Um, there's not the word pastor in my job description. Um, but uh, when I think of the word shepherding, and, and as I was preparing for this session, I was thinking about, well, gosh, shepherding to me is is guiding a group of people from one place to another. You know, my, my father-in-law down the road has 40 sheep and he shepherds those sheep from one paddock to another. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know that when I take my three boys bike riding, I'm trying to get them from here to the store where we're going to buy a drink or an ice cream and come back. And I'm thinking about how do we get there and how do we do that well and how do we do that safely? And so in my situation, it's more like, all right, I see an element of shepherding when I'm guiding a team of musicians. And you're right, Jason, I'm usually an itinerant, which means I travel from my home to a church to do a training workshop for a weekend or for a period of time. And so I'm shepherding that team uh, for a certain amount of time to achieve a certain goal, to get from one place to another. And I'm also often shepherding a congregation to get from one place to another. But for me, there's not really that ongoing pastoring element to it, uh, apart from with my family, which I'd be happy to speak about. But right now I'm thinking about either the team of musicians that I'm being asked to shepherd or the congregation I'm being asked to shepherd. And for me, a key thing is to know what the goal is Like when I'm taking my three boys, one of the first things I'm going to say to them is we are going from here to the store. And this is the route we're going to take. And Max, the 15-year-old, is going to be at the front and the two little boys are going to be in the middle and I'm going to be at the back. And I want that order to stay, you know. So what I'm trying to say with that is any team that I'm shepherding and a congregation that I'm shepherding, they need to know where we're going. What is the objective? And, uh, you know, being an Australian bass player, it's got to be simple. So when I'm leading a team of musicians and singers and technicians, I'm saying we are preparing a sound so that our congregation will sing these songs. I'll make it that clear. When I'm guiding a congregation, we are here to sing these songs together as an expression of worship to God. And uh, once everyone is on the same page with where we are going, um, I will be reminding them of why that's an important goal. And then my, my uh, input for how we're going to get there seems to make a lot better sense. So, yeah, I think part of this shepherding for me, a, a really important part of it, definitely what Joe was saying, it's got to be all, uh, I guess, dominated by my love for the people that I'm shepherding. Um, and hopefully that's a love that God puts in me for them. And then saying what the goal is and reminding them of why it's important that we achieve that goal together. I love that visual of you, your, your family on a bike ride. I love that from getting from point A to point B. My girls, I've got three daughters and they, we do that all the time. And 
we have to set the order when we leave the house because I'm like, I got a 10-year-old and twin seven-year-olds and they all want to be the first one in the, in the, in the we'll line. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know that I want you leading me where we're going because I don't know where you're going to take us. But it's, it's the like, it's that it's, it's saying we're going from here to here and, you know, keep them safe and get them from point A to point B. Like that's a huge, and I mean, piggybacking off what Jason said, leading in, in front of them, behind them, around them, like coming alongside of and being a part of that process. Um, yeah, and what I actually find with a lot of teams um, is a lack of shepherding where you've actually got to, like I'm thinking about a team of singers, instrumentalists and technicians, where when I usually come in to do some consultancy work or some training, I actually find that there are people actually all tugging in different directions. And uh, that's an unshepherded team. One person wants these set of, set of objectives. The different person wants this set of objectives and we're pulling in different directions. And uh, I'm trying to get everyone to be pointing the same direction and heading to the same objective. Michael, you seem to have a thought. Actually, I, I want to know what the, I want to hear what the ladies have to say. Yeah. <laughs> guys are chiming in and I, I want to hear the female perspective on. You, you on had the look on your face. That's why. Oh, that's just medication, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that are legal in Oregon, y'all. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that just happened. That just okay, happened. I will mute myself. We'll, we'll come back. Yeah, mute yourself. We'll mute yourself. We'll come back to you in just a second. Darnisha, Crystal. Oh, man. Have... I was wanting Crystal to speak. <laughs> well, I, keep tossing you know it over. I can I'll come in after you <laughs> all right well I will just say this one thing one thing I really appreciate about what you said Grant is that whole giving a a a, a single goal I think is really important um one of one of the things that I find when I go in to mentor teams is that each group feels a little bit lost if their leader hasn't been clear about what the expectation is. And so singers don't know what parts to sing. They're doing okay. And they appear to feel confident because they've been told, pretend like you're confident versus feeling confident and comfortable because they've been given clear direction. Mm. And um, that is, is something that to me, when you're shepherding a team, there's a comfortability that you should feel with your leader because you trust that even if something falls, that you're not going to fall. That even if, if the team feels like they get a little bit off course, everyone trusts the leader enough or the, the person who is responsible for keeping it together, that, that if something gets a little bit wonky, it's okay because Darnisha knows how to help us get back on course. And so I feel like that's a really important part of, of this word shepherding, pastoring, leading, whichever, whatever you want to use in there, um, is that there's a trust element and you spend enough time with your team that they can trust you and say, one, you can pull things out of them that they didn't know were there. Two, that when things don't go exactly, exactly as planned, that they know that they're not going to be kind of left out there to wander or to feel lost or not to know what to do. So trust and, you know, just pouring that confidence into people. Yeah, I agree with everything that everybody said, the love and the direction and all that too. And I just think of, when I think of shepherds, I think of these are people assigned to care for, you know, this flock. And so I just, I, I think, you know, the more care and you're close to them, you're 
you're with them and you're leading them out. You're, they're being shepherds feed, they guide, they lead, they care for. And so just putting that word in there, caring for people, loving them, directing them, making sure that you know what their needs are, knowing, know what they um, struggle with, being there for them, being close to them. And so for me, like the, the main word that sticks out is just caring for people and caring puts you close into proximity to them and not far away. Make sure you're in the, in the pen with them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Michael, do you want to wrap that up? Yeah, I'm just writing down things that you guys are saying. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying all that the Lord is leading you guys to share. Uh, you know, love the people, communicate the goals, give expectations and build trust, um, care for the sheep, care close, um, be be close in the pen. That That's awesome. I think, too, for me, I, I always want to work backwards from the goal, so... I've been talking with my teams a lot about that. And if our goal is that the Lord receives the glory and the emphasis and the focus and the worship and praise in our worship time, that's like, that's what we want. Uh, be magnified, O oh Lord. You are highly exalted. Okay, that's our goal. And we want our people to do that. So how do we help our people worship? Well, we know our worship teams need to worship and our worship teams need to, as you guys said, you know, hit, hit the mark and do it. And I, what, what comes to me a lot of time is, so how do I, you know, working backwards from the goal, how do I help my team succeed? Mm. How do I help them succeed? Because if they can't succeed, then we're not going to hit, hit the mark. And you guys are, are talking about that. Well, we help them succeed by loving them, being close to them, communicating our goals. Why are we doing this? Um, what's the expectation? What are you, you know, how they, please you. Not that it's about pleasing us, but anyone, if I'm on a team, I, I do that. I rotate through our campuses and I'll, I, I actually really, really enjoy, I love, I love being quote unquote on the mic and being like the lead facilitator in a worship setting. I also love playing in the band and backing up someone else. Cause I get to worship in a different way. It's a different mind space and a different environment. So I love that. So, and I know whoever I'm, you know, whatever instrument I'm playing, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to ask the leader, what are you looking for? How can I serve you? What do you need? So knowing those goals are great. And then, yeah, being close, being there, being with them, helping them worship, helping them accomplish the goal. It, it all feeds back into the Lord receiving the glory. So you guys are sharing awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I love it. Let's, uh, let's talk to the person who either didn't know this was important or maybe is just realizing it's missing from their ministry, uh, like missing from their leadership. What are some practical ways to start this? Like, like you think like, um, there's people that might be listening that go, you know what? I didn't even realize I wasn't doing that. Or I didn't even know, I didn't know it was an important thing to do. Like what, what are some, like, I can jump in and start this process, some ways to kind of implement that as they look, you know, now that Easter's over and we can think about the future. Um, like what, what does that look like? Kind of, I want to open that up to everybody. Like, what are you guys Anyone, love, anyone can I'd take love that to one. start this yeah. one if I could, because yep. I feel like um, I've always been like a, a point A to point B person. Like, you know, I know generally uh, it's believed that ladies are a whole lot more feely and I don't feel like I'm like super feely. And so that part of the ministry was something I had to learn. Um, and one of the one of the main things that God taught me was, one, it's not about uh 
it's not always just about um, getting the songs to sound good and putting them into the service and that sounds good and that everybody can sing. It's, it's also guiding his people along the way so that the experience is something that helps us all to grow towards him. Um, and interestingly enough, what I found is the Holy Spirit has really prompted me when to stop versus when to go. Because I'm always like, okay, we got to get this done. Pastor's expecting this and we got to get this and, you know, this has to be completed. And um, just being willing to stop when it's time to stop or pause or slow down when it seems like you're in a hurry to get it all done because the expectation is on your shoulders and you know the responsibility is on your shoulders. So I think a great way to, for me, a great way that um, to, for me to start was to learn when to slow down, when to, when to pause, when to, instead of being about accomplishing the goal, go, hey, wait a minute, so-and-so is, is struggling over here. And so I need to pay attention to, is this struggle pertinent to this moment and I need to address it right now? Or is this struggle pertinent to, and I need to address it once we've completed our rehearsal, but still give, it, give some um, affirmation during this time. So again, I think for me, it was, the, it was that whole slow down from accomplishing the goal and pay attention to um, the condition and the the condition of the environment of the people that you're with right now. I love that. I love I love that. Um, anybody else have th- have thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, may I chime in? Uh, yeah. You know, there's there's a, a huge diverse range of situations that are represented even on this call. Um, and also the people who are watching this live or delayed, you know, there might be situations where it's perhaps a very big church somewhere in the United States where the person who's watching is actually on staff and they've got the word pastor in their job description, in their title, and the team knows that they are the leader. Um, But very often people are in a situation where there's no paid staff position. There's not even a, uh, a title given to a person who finds themselves almost serendipitously sort of leading a team. Yep. Um, probably probably one thing I would be suggesting, and I'm trying to respond to what you asked, Jason, of someone who is just realizing, well, our team needs shepherding. I, I do believe we need to have someone who is in a leadership role uh, of the singers, the instrumentalists and technicians, uh, whether that's a big church, whether it's a little church, no matter where you are in the world, uh, I feel like there needs to be someone who's taking responsibility for for that expression of worship through a particular church family, if I could put it that way. And I'm trying to use language that crosses borders and boundaries and cultures. Yep. Um, I'm sorry if I'm missing the missing the mark. But sort of big picture, I think we've got to realize that we want to recognize that God is the authority over all, right? He is the ultimate shepherd. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And we find ourselves part of a church community where we we hope there is a a pastor or an eldership or there's some something we could say just below god in a sense who is leading this particular expression of church and then within that we've got the singers and the instrumentalists and the technicians i think there needs to be someone leading that side of it 
And sometimes I see problems with this shepherding role where that leadership actually hasn't been assigned to the person over the singers, instrumentalists and technicians. There's sort of a, there's almost a power struggle going on or there's a void of any leadership. And uh, perhaps the elders or the pastor about the overall flock is just sort of assuming that's happening. And I, to me, I think step one would be recognising that there is a need for some leadership over this particular team of singers, instrumentalists and technicians, those who are tasked with leading this congregation to worship God through songs. And uh, make sure everyone on the team knows that that leadership has been bestowed by someone above all of the church. And we have to believe that leadership uh, is bestowed in their leadership role by God himself. Uh, and that's sort of the what I call the order of service, um, not the what happens at 10 o'clock and 10.05 and 10.10, but the, the, the flow of who are we trying to serve? Well, we believe that overall as a church, we are serving God ultimately, but we are also serving the leadership of our pastor or our eldership, as the case may be. But we also need to know, all right, who is the one who is overseeing our our song selection, overseeing the the expectations for personal practice, for rehearsal, uh, the flow of the service, how that fits. And um, I often see uh, a lack of shepherding when no one really knows who that whose job that is. Yeah. Or it's three different people, but they disagree with each other. Um, yeah, I like this song, so we're going to add it. Why not? Well, well, no one told me I can't, and, and there's no one in charge. And it happens to be an inappropriate song and it doesn't fit the vision for the overall church of the leadership, you know? So yeah, I guess I'm saying make sure there is a leader and make sure everyone on the team knows that leadership position paid or not has been bestowed on that person or maybe a couple or maybe even a little group of people who are leading. I think that's huge because that's, you're true. It's, it's a, it's a true statement. I do the same thing that, um, that you do and go in and out of churches. And I can't tell you how many times I've shown up at a church only to realize that nobody was actually in charge. Like Sunday was just kind of happening, and there was no uh, direction. It was just like everybody has their task, and Sunday morning happens, and then we move on. Yeah, I think, did Jason Fraser, or was it me? <laughs> he froze. Oh, he's chilly, baby. He's cold. Yeah. He's frozen. Yeah, well, I, I hear what Jason's saying, and I would totally yeah. agree with that. Uh, but but the person who is in leadership over our singers, instrumentalists, and, te and technicians, whatever that title is, needs to be someone who, who has that skill set. Yep. Um, because uh, it's not everyone's calling to be that leader. It's a tough it's a tough job, but it does take a particular uh, ability to communicate and uh, a vision for where we can be going. I tried to pick up where you left off, Jason. You I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I, uh, sorry about that. We're going to continue on here. Can the, I? Uh, oh, go ahead. There it is. Had Zoom problems. Technology at its finest. Um, I'm glad that you guys continued. Jason, let me continue yeah. on off of that because i think the leadership thing and who is who is leading and who's taking ownership for this stuff is hugely important but then i think sometimes we have leaders that you go well leaders are great at scheduling musicians and getting the program you know but they're the guy that's making sure that the guitar player is showing up for the 12th week in a row and hasn't spent time with his family and you know i mean it, it's it's sometimes we 
we don't lead well in this area. And so just a couple really practical things uh, from, from my years of just serving under people that loved and led me well. And uh, one, um, Nancy Beach, who is my boss for a long time at Willow Creek, and Nancy, one of Nancy's mantras was show up. There are just some times you have to show up. Somebody needs help packing boxes, or they they're in the hospital. They they have a funeral in their life. They're they're you know what are the times that that you as a leader just one of the ways you love your people is you show up and you be there. Um, another thing that was always um, you know was a given was that we had monthly all team meetings, where we would go to somebody's house and you know everybody would bring finger food or whatever, but it was, but that was relational time. It wasn't just about, well, what is worship and what is, it was, how do I know what's going on in your life and in, in, in your world? How do we care for each other, pray for each other? It was taking time in each rehearsal to say, hey, before we go any further, well, let's, um, you know, let's gather the team on stage uh, you know, it could be as simple as saying, what was a highlight this week? What was a low light? Or are you struggling and praying for each other or taking, uh, say, hey, take the take the songs that we're going to lead this week, read through the lyrics. And I want each person to pick out one key phrase from one of the songs that we're singing and share why that phrase speaks to you and, and is important to you this week. And then, and that would get people sharing stories, but also get us all connected with what we're about to sing, but then praying for the person on our right or our left. And, but just being there as friends for people and um, quick story that I'll never forget. We were back in the days, I might've told this before here, I don't think so, but where uh, when First Call was a big uh, was a big group, you know, real tight harmonies. And we, had, we were doing um, a song called Undivided. And we were in the middle of a huge conference we were doing and we're singing this song, In Our Hearts We're Undivided, worshiping one savior, one Lord, because in our hearts we're undivided. And I got to sing that with two uh, of our uh, our female singers and the three of us. And we got out and we started to sing this in our hearts. And we made the mistake of looking at each other. And we all lost it because it was so deeply true. The love that between those between us and the, the community, the time that, you know, that when we sang in our hearts, we're undivided and, and none of us could sing. We stood there in front of, you know, 4,000 people and blubbered, you know, until we could pull it back together and sing again. Yeah. But I'll never trade that moment for all the other stuff that, that we did. It was, that we're doing life with people that we love, we're doing what we love, we're serving the God we love, and we're doing it in community with each other, with people that we really know and treasure. And, and for every leader that we're talking about, we have to go, what are we doing? Where and how are we creating space for true community and love for each other to grow? I love that. 
More you guys have others. Others have some thoughts on that. I would just say um, I set aside some time every week. You know, even if it's a day or an hour or something, where I I pray for my team and then I ask God. You know, like is there somebody that you know needs extra care or somebody I can encourage? And I make sure that one of the easiest steps is just spend time with people and say, you've only got an hour a week, but you've got that hour to go sit down and have coffee or call or just even text and just say, Hey, praying for you today. Is there anything specific? Like that's a really easy way. If you're not doing that to create care for your people and letting them know, you know, know their family um, members names, know like, if they play baseball, show up at a baseball game, if that could be part of one of your hours in the week or something, just make sure that you're intentionally setting aside space and time. Um, And if you don't have time for FaceTime, then call them or text them and, or send them an email. And that's just an easy thing that we can do. It makes a big difference. I love it. Jason, you had a thought? Yeah, I was thinking about how to get started. And the first thing that came to mind of like how to get started with shepherding is first, like be a good sheep. Um, And so think about your own spiritual life, your growth, because if you want people to follow you, you have to be a healthy sheep. Um, And so we talk about things like reliability with things like trust, like if they can't rely on you or trust you, or know that the vision that you have is, you know, secure, um, they're not going to follow you. So as we talk about starting together, um, if you want to start shepherding, like be a good sheep. Um, And then from there, uh, like follow after the Lord, work on your spiritual growth and have time set aside even just for your own growth. Um, The shepherding thing, I'm more of like, Arnisha, like point A to point B, this is not something that it like came natural. Like my rehearsals used to be like, Hey, we could get this done. It was good. It was good to go to Sunday. And then we, everything was forward focused, um, forward focused to the congregation. Like this is the goal for the congregation. Uh, we want them to sing. We want them to engage. And a couple years back, we kind of changed it to be the rehearsals. You come in ready to rehearse, you know, your parts, but really it's about us. It's about our time. Um, and so it was really like beforehand afterwards, let's make sure we have time set aside that we're not, not just plowing through the song so that we're musically ready to lead, but more of like, Hey, let's be together. Um, our team doesn't serve every week. We serve our volunteers serve once every four or five weeks. And so that's a chance just to re reconnect. Um, and then, um, as Crystal was saying, like as a leader, present over perfect, the more that you can be present in people's lives and just text what's going on. If there's a prayer request that got mentioned at a, at a, you know, in your prayer time at rehearsal, make sure you follow up like, Hey, how's your father doing? How's, you know, how's your spouse? The last thing for um, my team is make sure that you know, all the spouses and kids names. Like for some of us, if you have a smaller team, you already know that. Um, but for a larger team, it makes such a big difference instead of just saying, like, how's your spouse or how your kids to actually follow up with like, hey, I know their names and I care not just for you, but I care for your family. And I think that as we shepherd and as we lead them as our volunteers, it goes a long way to like, I care 
not just for you, but I care for your entire family. So. That's such, that's, yes. I, I love that. And that's, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm really good at faces and horrible with names. And so I, I struggle with that. I'm always like, how good is your face? I mean, I, you don't know how to, yeah. I don't know how to, I, I don't do that. I don't do that as well. Um, no, anybody else have, <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Anybody else have thoughts on that? Um, yeah, Michael. I was just going to say this, this tags on some stuff that Grant was saying earlier, but it ties in with all of us. I think grace for personality differences, because I think this question thread started with what about the person that maybe isn't doing it now or just realizing this is something they should do? How do they start? I think it's fair that within our peers, those who are assigned or entrusted with worship leading responsibility in a local house of faith, man, personalities are all across the map and giftedness is all across the map. So uh, it doesn't have to be you that does it all. But the thought that we're thinking about it, it's yeah. huge. And then I think it's it's fun if to to empower somebody who is good at it, because yeah. um, somebody can do it. Somebody can be doing the texting. Somebody can be sending the emails. Somebody can be because um, if it's not done, then again, it, it it go back to our last question thread where it's like, well, if our main goal is to set our people up to succeed and to that God receive glory, like man, if if we're not a team, and like Joe was saying, if we're not in it together. And people can sense that it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what people can sense. And you guys know, I, I, it's fascinating for me every time I'm in another environment, um, different, different church than my own. And I'm someone else is leading. I just try and sense and soak it in and you can just tell how connected people are and you can, 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 you can tell if they're being shepherded well or not. So anyways, I think just grace, grace, those who are listening, have grace for yourself and be honest about your personality, what you feel you are good at, what you're not, maybe what the growth areas are, but find, try and look for those that are skilled in this and find a way to uh, come alongside people because it is huge for sure. Just a quick question off of that. You know, if you just stopped right now and said, okay, uh, who are the people on my team that I'm empowering to care for the others on my team? Because maybe I, the, the issue of span of care, I just want people to feel loved and known and cared about where people are getting notes now and that of encouragement, a phone call, somebody showing up, you know, taking somebody to breakfast or whatever. And if you thought, okay, who on my tech team has, has those kind of skills that could be just say, I'm going to put you in charge of loving and creating community on that team. Um, obviously, uh, the male-female thing can be an issue. So, you know, if I'm a guy leader, who's who's a woman on my team that could be would be great at caring for and reaching out and writing notes to and making phone calls to the other women on our team? And same thing for men. But but just that I love what you're saying, Jason uh, or. or Michael, about just uh, empowering others. Find out who are the people in your circle that can help you with this. And by breaking it down, getting three or four people to help you means everybody gets more attention and more care. Do any of you guys go through like books or with your team or have some kind of connection, like uh, resource? And would you mind sharing what those kind of like some good books you've done um, with your team in the in the in the recent past? Something that might come to your mind. I think one that if you've never done one, it's it's simple, but it's super profound. It's an older Matt Redman book 
called the unquenchable worship leader or not, unquenchable worshipers, not a worship leader. And it's uh it's one of those smaller kind of coffee table, call it prayer Jabez book sizes, you know, little small books, yep. but profound. And it's a great one that you could buy for your team and give it out. And just the, if, if all you did was take the first 10 minutes of rehearsal and read a couple quotes or just say, Hey guys, next week, read chapter one. I'm just going to, we'll just talk a little bit about it. Or, um, I, I live worship at a church one time where they, during their, um, their multiple Sunday morning services and during their second service, they would call the team back during the message and they would have a devotional during that time. So they try and look for creative times to engage, but that, that book, I've used it so many times with so many groups, uh, for worship leader training and just for my encouragement in my heart. Like I just could about underline the whole thing. So that's a good one. I love it. Uh, Rory Nolan's book, uh, the heart of the artist is just a classic and it's got stuff at the end of every chapter to, for you to work through together as team and as artists about, you know, about who God made us and, and where the areas that we thrive and where do we struggle. But the heart of the artist is, is awesome one. For those of us who did that book when it came out, uh, uh-huh. there's a new version of it out. That's a, a revised edition um, because he, a lot of the scenarios were stuff in the nineties and, and, and he brought it into, he brought it into more c- current, current conversations so it's great it's a great revised edition anybody else have any thoughts on that and books that you guys have done so um this is not necessarily a book but it's a resource that we are just starting to implement and use and that's with right now media where our church is beginning to make that available to our congregation and in our different departments beginning to kind of build libraries that are um appropriate for our teams and so we're just starting to get that plugged in and starting to get that rolling and it proves to be a really wonderful resource for learning and helping guide people in their personal study as well as group study that's awesome um uh chris tomlin's book holy roar i haven't been through that one yet but it's a seven words that will change the way you worship that's another one that i've had on my radar to, to go through with teams I've been through it and it's fantastic. It changes your perspective on certain things and kind of gets you out of a like one singular focus. It kind of opens up a lot of a lot of conversations and it's a great conversation one, especially in with 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 your teams and maybe if you have multiple leaders too. Um, but just uh, it's a great it's a great conversation book. So shifting gears just a little bit. Um, and I want to talk about Sunday morning. You know, we all lead busy lives that bring that we bring in on Sunday mornings. Uh, last month we talked about you know putting out the the fires or the problems that happen on Sundays that can distract you coming on Sunday morning. Uh, Crystal, I wanted to talk to, ask you. You mentioned something in a in a in a, in a um, coffee chat a few a few months ago about how you guys actually prepare the hearts of your team uh, before taking the stage on Sunday. I love how intentional you guys are with that, um, not just kind of rolling from one thing to the next, but you stop before you walk up on stage. Can you kind of talk us through what that looks like for you guys? Yes, it does mean we have to all be there a little bit earlier, you know, um, about 15 or 20 minutes earlier um, and start a rehearsal. But when we're all done and we're, we're done running through service and we've executed all the things, you know, and it's all done well, we all make sure that we have about 30 minutes together to sit and take the Lord's Supper or communion together 
and we pray for each other. We pray for our services. We pray for the other departments, the children, mm-hmm. what's going on. The pastor will take a moment and he'll just share, you know, a little bit of his heart for that day and other people will share what they're feeling. So it's just a time of communion and prayer. And it's, it makes a huge difference Hmm. when we go out and minister together, just having that intentional time, something so simple and it will cause you have to be a little earlier and be done a little earlier, but it's worth it. And are you guys doing that with like just the, just the worship team, the tech team, or is it like all the volunteers that are coming on Sundays? What, what is your, we do it with our worship and our tech team. So all the people who are responsible, um, we used to do it out in the foyer with everybody, but it became a little distracting (laughs) because there'd be people milling in there and it was just, it was a little bit distracting. And so we ended up taking it back into another area that was quiet, more secure and anybody's welcome. They know, but usually it's our worship and tech teams that show up and we just spend that intentional time together praying and preparing our hearts and um, doing the Lord's Supper. And it's, it's made such a huge difference in when we go out and, and actually minister together. I love, I love that. Anybody you guys have thoughts on that? And I mean, other things that you might do as you, as on Sunday mornings to kind of help that with your, with your teams? No, I think it's a great, I've always been surprised how many churches I've consulted with and worked with that where they don't do anything like that. And people just kind of come flying in, you know, with two minutes left to run up on stage in time. And and they haven't even gathered just to talk through the order one more time or, but I love that Crystal, that you're taking that extra time to really connect with each other, to pray for each other, uh, to celebrate communion together. That's, I love that idea. That's really good. I always feel, I always feel shortchanged as the worship leader on commun- doing communion because you're usually playing behind, behind it. And I've so many times like an usher will walk up and try and hand me communion while I'm playing guitar. And it's like, if I stopped playing guitar, it's going to be silent and people are going to wonder what happened. Like I can't, can you put it on top of my guitar? I don't know. I mean, how do we? So I love the intentionality of that, especially with worship teams. We've all been there where you're like, how do I? Yeah. I think we talked about, was, was it, Crystal, you said that you dumped yeah, it on I, yourself? I, one time I had the cup and <laughs> my microphone. <laughs> I was trying to, <laughs> to do it all like a little T-Rex style communion. <laughs> T-Rex style. <laughs> you can do a whole session just on. My fingers right here. That's right. That's right. Anybody have some, anybody have some closing thoughts as we kind of wrap up today? Well, I just, I just wanted to add here that um, while there is something really important about what we do. And when I say we, I'm thinking about when we are either on a platform with a microphone or an instrument or behind a mixing console, this, this pulling together the music that helps our congregation worship God by singing in these prayers to God, these declarations of truth about God, these praises of God, this is really, really important. And it does take an intentionality of shepherding and uh, intentionality of, of uh, being loving and serving um, but a lot of what we've been talking about is actually true, even if you're not on the platform, you know, that uh, this idea of being intentional about caring for one another and loving one another and caring enough to pray together or to read a book together that points us towards God. This is not something that's somehow like, 
I guess I'm trying to, I'm struggling to find words that say, if you are on the platform, it doesn't mean you're holier. (laughs) It doesn't mean you're, um, have to now do be more intentional about shepherding a flock, um, pointing us towards Jesus. That's, that should be true in every walk of our lives. If we are followers of Jesus, then we have to recognize that he's the ultimate shepherd and we need sub shepherds on that journey, whether it's involved with music or not. Um, we need people who are mentoring us, people who are leading us, people who are guiding us. And um, yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to say something that makes makes us realize that uh you know because i've heard it sometimes things like i don't let anyone get on our platform and left unless i know they are right with god you know and that's a that's a position that i i don't take you know we're all kind of messed up broken people who need jesus and uh, we all resist his shepherding in some way or other we all resist the shepherding of the people who've been putting our life to shepherd us uh, in some way or another and it's not a special thing if you, it is a special thing, but it's not a special thing. If you know what I mean, if you yeah. get on a platform with a microphone or an instrument. I love it. No, I was just talking to a friend of mine and he said, um, we spend a lot of time like working on being better, but if we were just work on being like Jesus, we wouldn't have to do a lot of the extra things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Step one, just work to be like Jesus, and then it'll all kind of just happen. Like it just, and I thought that was an interesting, an interesting thought along that lines. Anybody else have some thoughts? Yeah, Jason. One last thought for me is also as a shepherd, who are you raising up? Who are your sheep that you're turning into shepherds? Mm. Um, as we talk about not trying to do everything um, and getting overwhelmed and all the text messages and all of the responsibility, but also. Who are the, you know, two, three, four people in your flock that you're actually working on turning them to shepherds so that you can, you as the leader can also pastor your entire team better because you've raised up other shepherds within your team. Um, And so I think that's an important thing, uh, whether it be staff or whether it be volunteers, but who are you raising up alongside of you to pastor with you, to shepherd with you um, and to care for your team? So true. Anybody Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, as we kind of wrap up today, um, I always like to end our, our, our uh, these conversations with the food question. Uh, we just finished Easter. What did you guys, what did you guys eat for Easter? What did, what did you eat on Easter Sunday? Uh, what, what, I'll start. Uh, we did a picnic in a quiet park. It was amazing. We did a, like just a picnic lunch out in the park, we brought a folding table and some chairs and sat under some trees. It was quiet. The kids played and uh, just like a crackers and cheese, sa- you know, sa- all the salads that you, you know, the different salads and fruit and stuff like that. It was great. I recommend it and I want to do it every day. But what, Jason, what about you? What did you guys do for Easter? Well, our Easter lunch was Burger King because we are traveling. Um, and then dinner, we had lasagna and meatballs there you so go we did the lasagna and meatballs thing we did ham because we were traveling we did ham on good friday i was um, like did you count the burger at burger king the ham i wasn't sure if that no was... no but <laughs> we, we did lasagna and meatballs on easter and the burger king just i guess set the table i don't know the... <laughs> what about you darnisha 
Dude, can I even tell you? I don't even remember. I was so exhausted after Easter. All I remember is taking my Sunday nap. And I had a protein bar in my purse, and I just finished that. Was <laughs> my... I, don't even, I can't remember. That's amazing. What about you, Joe? What did you guys do? We actually went to um, one of the kids in my family is, real, is a practicing. Uh, her wife was Jewish. And um, so we actually went there, and they put on the Seder Passover meal and walked us through uh, the whole Passover meal. And it was just, um, it was deeply meaningful and, uh, and, and amazing to celebrate, celebrate that meal together. That's awesome. Crystal, what about you and your dog? What did you guys, what did you guys, what did you guys this eat together? Dog. I'm so sorry. She inserts herself at the worst times and she doesn't take no for an answer. We, okay. So we're kind of old school Southern crock pot people. So we put a roast in the crock pot with, um, and this is a free, um, easy little thing to do. If this sounds good to you, if not just move along, but we put cream of mushroom soup and you put some of the beefy onion Lipton soup mix and you put a little bit of water in it. And you put some garlic and you let it sit. When you leave, you turn it on low. And when you get back, you make a pot of rice and voila. That can't be bad. That sounds delicious. (laughs) That can't be bad at all. And the house smells amazing for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. What about you, Joe? Or sorry, what what about you, Grant? Oh, um, it was a crazy, Sunday was a bit of a crazy day for us because I I was involved in the music for the Sunday morning service, but... uh, then uh, my parents-in-law were taking our two younger children to the holiday house immediately after that. Um, so in, instead of telling you what I had for lunch, I don't, I don't remember, but uh, help me out with something, people. When I grew up in Australia, we had hot cross buns on Easter Friday to mm. remind us with the cross of Jesus dying on the cross and then some Easter eggs on the Sunday. Okay. That's how it's always been for me, but... We had hot cross buns and Easter eggs on Sunday here in New Zealand, and it left me a little, conf- little confused. It was a quick uh, day for you. That's a quick hot cross yeah, buns like, and eggs. In the, ah, that's so, what so quickly. is a hot cross bun? Okay, I've always sang the song. What actually oh, okay. is it? Oh, well, um, uh, it, well it's just a little, a little uh, bun with fruit in it, like really soft, gushy oh. bread. And it's glazed okay. on top, but it's got has something done, so it's got a cross on the top of it. And okay. uh, that song will be stuck in their heads. The I'm rest uncultured. Of the day. I, I don't know what a hot cross oh, well, bun is, but no, I sing the song. I'm sure it's a British <laughs> thing, probably. That's probably yeah. You see, see, America had a war, so you didn't have to do stuff like that. You know, you don't have to play cricket. <laughs> Crystal, you could have that on the side with your with, with, with your roast. No, that, we can do that. We can drive through Burger King, whatever you want, honey. Here <laughs> in America. What about you, Michael? What'd you guys do? We did, uh, it's probably a little more traditional, the the ham and roasted potatoes. And my wife has this legendary uh, old family recipe to make the sweet potatoes with this kind of chopped gl- nut glazed crust thing on the top. It's really, really good. And we did a pork loin. It's nice. Not going to lie. I was so you, blessed. You did, a, you did a ham and a pork loin? And then, yes, bro. And, um, Let's I'm, do what it. Is that? I'm, I'm in, coming to your house next year. I, it was like, no, I'm bringing my Burger King and we're going to have it. We're going to have a party. at that. Bristol, <laughs> I think we both need to get a wife. <laughs> <laughs> we need some help on I me. Mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, hey, so. <laughs> you know what? Will Cooks, he's a great wife. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I am so happy we're on Facebook Live right now. Uh, <laughs> you guys are amazing. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And uh, we learned about what they do in Oregon and that Darnisha and Crystal need a wife. So uh, I hope you guys had a great, a great uh, time. And we will see you guys. We'll see you guys later. See you guys.